podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 215. Uh, Guys, the responses to the 53-man roster yesterday with me and Stephen Thomas, guys, Absolutely great feedback. Uh, look, Steven always makes for a fun episode, obviously. If you know who Steven is outside of what he does in football, it just makes for a fun time. Uh, keep listening to that. Um, guys, also Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, like I said. I joined him for his Monday Locals Only edition, so we were able to get some Browns talking with Matt Williamson, you know, former employee of the Cleveland Browns. So by all means, guys, check that out as well. Joining me this evening... Um, some people, yeah, some of you guys, listeners, we, you know, jokingly refer to it as the Chuck E. Cheese episode, which is fine. But back here this evening, um, killer wife, rock star mom, part of NBCSports.com, Samantha Bunton. Samantha, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I, you know, it's it, it's been it's been really fun to start to talk about real football and where everything is at right now. And you know, obviously, like we were just you know talking about. You know, pre-show, it, you know, you want to not get excited because you kind of know what's gone around here in the past. But at the same time, it, it, it's sometimes it's hard to hold it back. Maybe it's the giddiness of the new season whatsoever. But, you know, it, it, it's it's a little difficult to keep the cork in the bottle, so to speak. I, I know I'm having a little bit of trouble <laughs> keeping a lid on it this season and keep telling myself in various breeds of rationalization that have come through where I'm going, okay, well, the last couple of years, I've been completely flat about the Browns, and certainly, I think, you know, working in, in NFL media for a long time now, it, it sort of beats the fan out of you, in a way, <laughs> um, especially if your team is one like the Browns and has not had a lot of recent success, but I'm a little bit excited, and I, I'm terrified. I'm going to regret that, <laughs> but it's, um, I, I see a lot of good things in this team, a lot of promising things that I think we have not seen over the last couple of years, so I hope that we'll have some pretty valid reasons for at least expecting more than we've seen in the last, I I don't want to say decade, but I guess I do from the Browns, or 30 years maybe, if you really, really want to take a depressing perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go back to, uh, you know, because I mean, we, I remember the uh, Y2K and what everybody was worried about, so maybe it goes back that far, so it's, it's very possible to go back that far. Um, as far as NBC Sports and everything, since you went that route, and obviously NFL media, um, what's new? What's exciting? What do you guys have in store for everybody? You know, obviously who follows and everybody who reads, everybody who listens. I don't know. You know, we have Sunday Night Football, of course, as always, and um, some, a couple of shares and other games coming up this season. We are a can't talk too much about it. Unfortunately, this is not public yet, but we are working on some pretty big say statistical projects um, trying to get kind of out in front of the statistical revolution that we kind of anticipate happening in the NFL um, not quite to the same degree of course that we see that in baseball but along the same line so we are making some moves in there getting a little bit I think more into fantasy and this is kind of some stuff that you won't necessarily see this season out of our website and through our channels and over our various media components but next year I think we're going to start implementing this stuff we're really excited about it. Yeah, and guys, seeing as, you know, uh, Samantha's mom and, you know, a wife, uh, we're not going to get her canned here by letting her give up too much information that she shouldn't. Um, Samantha, um, <laughs> it's been fun here. Uh, it's it's the re- it's really weird when a team that is 1-31 over the last two seasons is really mainstream. But the Browns are really mainstream right now. Every preseason game is, you know, slated to be nationally televised, obviously with one more to go. 
the presence of Hard Knocks. Um, one of my things with Hard Knocks is, is, look, at the end of the day, it is a reality television show, so there's got to be some edge to it, and you can take one specific moment and make it greater than the overall good, but uh, some impressions on Hard Knocks to this point and what you see. Well, I guess, you know, my first thing is, is similar to yours in that we have to remember that this is reality TV, which is, of course, anything but real. And for some reason, there's a huge, huge contingent of football fans who seem to look at this as like the one reality show that isn't scripted. And I think that we have to be a little bit careful about this. All this stuff is edited and cut and set up very, very tightly to look how they want it to look. I mean, all you have to do is look at that intro. I mean, it makes you want to run through a wall. I'd probably want to run through a wall for anything <laughs> watching the introduction to that show. But I think that we can also kind of pick some, if we're cherry-picking a little bit, take some little bits and pieces out of that that we can take back and say, okay, you know, this is a real thing, and, and some of it's good, and some of it's bad, and a lot of it, to me, is that the value of Hard Knocks is it doesn't really tell us anything about how this team is going to perform. It's, there's not a whole lot of big reveals in terms of actual football on this. But from a fan perspective, I think you learn a lot of interesting things about who these guys are as people, which maybe gives you a better understanding of somebody who you had some questions about off the field. Sometimes it just gives you a guy who, hey, you know, I really like this guy. I like what he's a football player, but as a person. So I think it has a lot of value in that capacity. It certainly gets people excited about the team. And like you said, the Browns have kind of found themselves on a bigger stage coming into this season. And some of that, I think, does have to do with hard knocks. And that's, I think that's a good thing. It, it certainly puts you in a position where it's going to be a lot more painful if there is another crash and burn because <laughs> it has become bigger. But mostly I consider that a positive. Yeah, and, I mean, if the other thing, I mean, you know, for the Hugh detractors and people like that, you know, I know I'm one of them, I, I think it ups <laughs> the fact of, hey, there's no more excuses here anymore. And, you know, we can't hide this because now it's not just a Cleveland, Ohio thing. It's now a nationwide thing. And, you know, that is part of where the issue comes. And, like, I know some people are like, oh, we don't get to see much more much football. Guys, if enough football got out, there would never be hard knocks ever again. Nobody wants that part of it out into the mainstream where, oh, well, it really looks like they like to feature this guy, you know, on this route, or this is what they're doing offensive line-wise. It's, you know, the football aspect of it is vanilla for a reason. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't, there's no NFL team would ever agree to go on a show like that if they were going to expose too much of the actual football. I mean, think back to that whole issue that, that happened with Mike Lombardi after he left the Browns a couple of years ago, where all he had was, I think it looked like a piece of letterhead, and it was, oh my God, he stole our playbook. So it's, there, there's no way they're going to let something like that out into the universe, and they shouldn't, and there isn't a football team out there that would. And I'm with you on the Hugh thing, I'm also a huge you hater i don't think this team can really take the steps forward that it needs to to completely i guess become competitive for lack of a better way of putting it until he is no longer part of the picture but it does give us i think a little bit of insight sort of into the way that guys like todd haley the way greg williams whoever kind of approach the game even if we're not really getting an inside look into how they plan to structure what they do on the field yeah, and one of the things I've harped on a lot here was one of the more telling moments was Jarvis Landry and Todd Haley. Mm -hmm. And these were guys like, look, this is what we thought of your franchise playing against you. And, you know, and Hugh, and I always go back to the meme, this is fine, this is okay. And you just had these guys saying, look, man, it's not. It's not. This is why you didn't win any football games. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he's like the living embodiment of that dog in the burning room. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything is fine. And I, I think it's, it's interesting to see, you know, certainly Landry and, and definitely Todd Haley. We had that really awkward exchange, and I think it was in the first episode where he was talking yeah. about having sat in that chair longer than anyone else and winning more games there. And that's actually, you know, you could just see Todd Haley, which is where I would have paid so much money to get a transcript of Todd Haley's inner monologue. Um, that's not exactly Here's true. my phone. You but- want to use a calculator? <laughs> Do you want to use the calculator on my phone? Have you ever been to a playoff game as a head coach? i just, just curious, big guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, even Greg Williams. I mean, I think he's been, you know, in a couple of exchanges that I've heard with him that were off the record or somebody's just been casual conversation with him, not even hard knocks, but just, you know, and, and somebody just kind of running into him somewhere has said, you know, he's been pretty forthright as well and said, look, you know, this team needs a lot of work. And I appreciate that. I like the honesty. I think that's a good direction to go in. I've always been a big believer in the idea that if you are bad, you should say so. And you should appear to care just as much that your team is performing poorly because it's what do fans hate the most, right? Being lied to. They hate that way more than being bad. So if you just stand there and go, yeah, I know we suck. We need to get better. And that's where I think Hugh has really made a a public relations mistake in a way. So it's refreshing to see these other guys come in there and do it for the cameras and say, hey, this is not okay. We need to change that. Absolutely, 100%. Guys, we're here with uh, Samantha Bunton from NBC Sports, uh, you know, uh, native Clevelander, so obviously she holds the franchise dear to her heart. Penn State alum and covers this, you know, covers the NFL, covers this franchise, does a fantastic job. Guys, I was mentioning earlier, Matt Williams in the Locked On NFL pod does a fantastic job with it. Uh, Monday will be, you know, guys like myself or whatever team is the topic of the weekend. So the local guys from Lockdown will be on with Matt on Mondays. Sage and Rosenfels on Tuesdays to cover quarterback play, to cover, you know, offensive play. Uh, Mike Renner, uh, you know, most of the ladies know him, maybe the bachelorette, but also from PF Pro Football Focus as well. Mike Sando from ESPN for Thursdays. Friday they'll get into picking games for the weekend. Matt Williamson, Lockdown NFL Pod. Guys, give it, get it in your rotation. Give it, a, uh, you know, subscribe. Make sure you're listening. Uh, Samantha, now, uh, the team itself, um, the, each, I believe each preseason game, it, there's kind of been their ups and downs. Um, you know, offensively, you know, one week. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, passing game one week, running game the next week, no offense week three, great defense week three. Uh, I guess we'll go to the offensive side of the ball here. Now, look, and since we've talked now, obviously two legitimate quarterbacks have brought, been brought into this fold. Um, Coach Stanton, who we, you know, affectionately refer to him as on here, on this show, who's here to, you know, make sure, you know, Baker eats his vegetables and takes his vitamins, which is all well and good. But some thoughts here offensively, what you've seen to this point. You know, I'm very optimistic about the quarterback position, of course. I really like what I see out of both Terod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. I'm, I don't know sort of what the going opinion is on this show, but I am one of those people who thinks that as much as I am, you know, deep, as I've said before, in the Baker Mayfield Kool-Aid. I hope I don't see him at all this season. I would really prefer that he sat the full year behind Gerard Taylor, who's a perfectly good bridge quarterback, maybe even better than a bridge quarterback. It's all to the good there. And, of course, you have Stan. <laughs> you've mentioned to hopefully keep Baker out of the Olive Garden. Uh, another hard knocks moment from week one that was a little bit concerning. Uh, but, um, you know, I think my, my biggest concern about the offense is really about the play calling. And so much of that, you want to look at this and say, hey, you brought in Todd Haley, the play calling is going to be fine, but is it really? Is Todd Haley really 100% in charge of that? Are we going to see a good balance between the pass and the run this year? That's where I'm worried about it, and I don't love what we have seen out of 
their run game on the whole in the preseason. Also concerned about offensive penalties. We've had some offensive pass interference. It's a little bit concerning to me, but mostly I do think this is a kind of a night and day offense from last season. Much, much greater turnaround than we've seen on the defense, which granted the defense had a lot less work to do. But um, regardless of that, I'm, let's say, skeptical, but I think the pieces are starting to come together for this offense. I think one of the things running game-wise, obviously, you know, Kevin Zeitler, who's a huge part of this offensive line, Mm -hmm. um, haven't seen him yet. And look, we're not going to see him this preseason, and that's okay. But I do think some people are getting a little bit excited over the run game. And, you know, it seems like they're pro-Carlos Hyde and kind of negating Nick Chubb. And I don't think anybody understands how hard it is to get three to four yards when the offensive line in front of you is absolute garbage. And they're kind of mistaking the fact that if you look at Carlos Hyde, you know, the, the positive from Carlos Hyde included a couple of big runs and then a kind of a bunch of snoozers. Right. And I think Hyde, one of the good things about and Hyde I have is that, a problem you know. with Carlos Hyde, but it's, I think they're promoting one but negating the other in, 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 you know, basically due to that one's playing with the ones and the other one's playing with the twos. Right. I, I, especially in the preseason, I, I would have liked to see this structured a little bit differently. It might give people a chance, I think, to kind of look at Chubb and evaluate him a little bit better. I mean, Hyde, I sort of understand a, a little bit of the, oh, well, he has played behind a bad line before, at least a line that didn't block particularly well for the in the past. So I understand that. But I think that, you know, bringing a guy like Chubb for a reason, it's, you're not doing this. It's not like Baker, where we're talking about a quarterback who, oh, well, we'd really rather he sat for a year and learn the position. That's not what you do with a running back in an ideal world. And of course, we have Duke Johnson in the mix there as well. But I, I don't know. I'm trying to kind of withhold my judgment on this. And so much of it is going to be that if that offensive line does not perform better than they have, and I don't think, like you said, the preseason not necessarily a good indicator of that. But you know, if we go back to last season, if we say they don't make any strides from there, then it's not going to matter how effective the runner is or, to a degree, even who the runner is. Yes. Um, the one thing I do love that you keep bringing it up is with, you know, whether or not how long Baker sits. Uh, I think Baker is a, uh, I think Tyrod is a good fit because Tyrod doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. And we'll get to this in a minute. But the, the defense, there's more to it. And we'll get to it in a bit. So less turnovers, better defense, it gives you a better chance to win. But again, guys, uh, everybody who's got the enthusiastic thoughts of 9 to 10 wins, take a look at the schedule, guys. It's a difficult schedule. It's a difficult schedule. So sometimes you've got to crawl before you can walk. But um, we're going to get one more thing offensively. Um, Josh Gordon, it, it was very strange that Josh Gordon decided he was going to skip out of training camp. And look, this is always going to be one of the biggest polarizing issues with this team because Josh Gordon, I mean, if you wanted to define polarizing in a dictionary, just put up a picture of Josh Gordon. Um, <laughs> but now here he is back, and I used the term yesterday when I was, on, uh, I was on a show that Josh Gordon could kind of be like the Reggie Jackson, the guy who stirs the drink here because he is so dynamic, so ridiculously gifted, and so damn good that if you can get 16 games of Josh Gordon, my God, this offense is capable of a lot of things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think in a, I, I struggle a lot with the, the Gordon thing because obviously... I was, and I'll admit, I was, well. I was <laughs> so angry. I was almost to the point where... And it was like, and I, I said he needed to be in by last Sunday. The one day I take off for myself in the summer was the Saturday. 
Me and my buddies get together. We do a wiffle ball tournament. We barbecue. The kids are in the pool. I was three hours behind the fact that Josh Gordon showed up. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, he's here before week three. This is what matters. But go ahead, Samantha. Yeah, I think he's a he's a game changer. I mean, the the one thing that makes me nervous about even making that statement, and this is of course taking the what shouldn't be, but is kind of a leap to say that he can actually stay on the field and out of trouble for 16 games this season, is that we haven't seen this guy play actual live regular season football in a very very long time. Now he is young and incredibly talented, but I do always feel the need to kind of throw that out there that you know is he the same person? Probably he is. But it's something I think we kind of have to keep in the back of our minds as we all get super excited about this. And that's before you even get to the whole, well, can he really keep himself out of trouble for 16 games? But if he does, I mean, and this is something that, you know, if you have him, for one thing, Landry's going to be better with Gordon on the other side of him. Everybody in that receiving core is going to be better with Gordon drawing coverage away. It, it improves the whole team. Obviously, the quarterback situation is so much better if Josh Gordon is able to participate. But it's going to help the run game, too. Because part of the problem for the Browns with the run has been they have not been effective enough passing the ball and that's to motivate a defense, let's say, to keep them honest in that way. And they were able to effectively stuff every run that they had because they didn't really have to worry about what was going to happen downfield. If you can get that balance there, then I think that that helps everybody. So Josh Gordon, really top to bottom, can make a huge difference for pretty much every single person on this offense just by keeping it together for the next 17 weeks. And and here's the thing. Obviously, it is so difficult with Josh, you know. But maybe if the talent around him is more closer to his abilities, maybe the pressure won't be there. Who knows if the pressure is a reason that leads him, you know, down the bad path that he goes upon. But it, it, this is going to be it. I mean, John Dorsey. Th- this is the last straw. I mean, health is one thing. If he gets hurt, that's you know, there's nothing they can do about that. But he can't have a Josh Gordon moment where he needs to walk out again for two weeks. There's too much on the table now. There's too much talent in the building where they can't entertain the fact that Josh Gordon becomes greater than 53 anymore. It's just It just cannot be the case anymore. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think Josh Gordon hopefully knows that. I mean, there's sort of two pieces here that I think could maybe motivate him to be better, to be more responsible, to make sure that he is doing everything that he needs to to keep himself on the field. And one of those is this is going to be a better team. So maybe he's just motivated by the fact that he will be playing on a team that is competitive and that he won't be the only person out there who is contributing something positive or close to the only person out there contributing anything positive. <laughs> maybe that's motivating for him. But I also think, too, that, you know, kind of what you're alluding to there with, with Dorsey and the way that they have talked about this is that he's out of chances. I mean, there comes a point where no matter how talented you are, and I think, like you said, an injury is kind of outside of this, and certainly if he were, when he was the only game in town, the Browns had a lot of motivation to give him into the chances. They also had very little financial, I guess, motivation to do anything differently up to this so, of course, they weren't going to cut him, as some people ridiculously suggested. But um, we're getting now into the point where he, a guy like him, eventually, if this team goes the right way, the way that it appears to be going, you too will become expendable if you cannot do your job, and he's got to know that as well. And, you know, John Dorsey, who has the my guy mentality, look, Hugh, mm. he's not mine. Ownership, he's not mine. I've got money. I've got a first-round pick. I can get another wide receiver in here 
and look, I'm, I'm here for the long haul if I'm John Dorsey, so you look at it that way. Uh, guys, Samantha Bunton is joining us from N uh, NBC Sports. Uh, we're breaking down, obviously, you know, her thoughts on hard knocks, obviously the Cleveland Browns to this point through preseason. Locked on College, guys, is slowly launching. We have some soft launch of a bunch of programs to this point. Uh, whether it would be Locked On Bama, whether it's Locked On Baylor, whether it's Locked On Tennessee, a bunch of them bu uh, up and running. Uh, for me, the diehard Seminole fan in me, Locked On Seminoles will be up soon and running. I, I kind of know who's hosting it. I'm pretty excited about it. He's one of my favorite Florida State follows. Uh, so, guys, Locked On College, get into the rotation. Now, Samantha, we're going to shift it over to the other side of the ball here. Uh, it's it's looked it, it, defensively. It's looked good, and the first thing I notice is one of the things that we noticed last year is, obviously, without Jamie Collins, this defense took a hit. When Miles Garrett couldn't play, this defense took a hit. When Emmanuel Agba went down, this team took a hit. And I think this team kind of addressed that and kind of filled in and added some teeth to this defense. Yeah, I think so, too. And so much of, Obviously, we saw more potential for development in this defense well ahead of the offense last year. We saw some flashes of it even in 0-16 season. I think we, we saw some things that were kind of encouraging for the future. But also had a lot of injuries. So that's sort of the, you know, what happened with Garrett, what happened with Jamie Collins. Look at that. Hey, this really isn't anybody's fault. But it did, I think, expose a glaring need for depth. And I know it's hard to focus on depth when you don't even have 11 starters who you feel comfortable sending out there on your defense. But sometimes I think you kind of have to split priorities there. I think they've done a pretty good job of that. I like where they're going here. I like that and we had a lot of penalties on both sides of the ball in the first couple of preseason games, and then they really, really cut down on that in the third one. And maybe that's because we saw more time with the starters, but maybe it's because they actually are making adjustments and getting better. I felt like that was very, very encouraging as well. I have a lot of hope for this defense. But my one concern here is, do they have the depth to absorb an injury to a critical player? If Miles Garrett, for example, can't stay healthy, are you going to be able to go on at not necessarily the same level, but close to it? I'm a little bit worried about that. Well, when you have a star like Miles Garrett, it's going to be tough anyway. And look, one of everybody's darlings already, Jannard Avery. And now it's going to be interesting because everyone is extremely high on Jannard Avery. And Jannard Avery is the player who was drafted with the pick for Cam Irving. So you may end up with a better player that you drafted at pick 150 over Cam Irving, who was a first-round pick. And look, I'm a Florida State guy. Uh, he looked good going into the process. I mean, there wasn't you, you saw a little bit of amount of him at center at Florida State. He kind of got kicked over from left tackle because he was getting his butt beat there. Uh, for all you Falcon fans, Vic Beasley made Cam Irving a center. So it's kind of interesting how that worked out. But there's a guy, and then you talk about guys like Michael Kendricks. And I think the significant thing with a guy like Michael Kendricks is, now he was, you know, and we talked about before with, you know, Haley and Jarvis Landry. Here was a guy, you know, Michael Kendricks from the outside looking in. He didn't have to come to Cleveland. He probably could have done, gone to a much better record standpoint franchise. But Michael Kendricks did say that he appreciated the defense in Cleveland. He was excited to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think, to me, that's, that's huge. I mean, we saw this even on the other side of the ball with, with Landry. Um, that yep. Things are changing around here. It's been years since the Browns have been able to attract 
top talent in free agency. And nobody wanted them to come. And quite frankly, who would blame them? So the only people you're getting are the people who are just after money. And sometimes that brings you a good player. And sometimes it brings you a guy who takes his paycheck and gets weighed down by his wallet. Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt, but, <laughs> Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt, Dwayne Bow. There you go. Another one. Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, both of those, and obviously, you know, to to get Avery in exchange for a guy like Cam Irving, who we were all. I mean, to be fair, the Browns, Cam Irving failures are mostly the Browns' fault. I mean, this is exactly what happens when you try to take a guy who has never played in the NFL and say, well, you're going to play three different positions on an NFL offensive line, which is one of the hardest position groups to transition from college to the pros in, in the first place. And then you stick this poor guy at three different slots, and it's no surprise that suddenly, oh, my goodness, he can't play any of them. I'm shocked. But considering that his value ended up being as incredibly low as it was to ultimately have that translate into Avery – that's a win, and we haven't had a lot of those either in the recent past with the Browns where they made a deal that actually worked out in their favor, either in the immediate sense or down the road like this one did. Absolutely. Um, Samantha, um, give me one guy offensively. Give me one guy defensively. Because we always get those, and the thing when I did the show with Steven yesterday, you get to about 50 or 51 and then it's tough. It's like, do I really need this guy or do I really like this guy? Give me one guy offensively you want to go to bat for to make the final 53 and maybe one guy defensively you'd like to see make the final 53. Oh, geez. You know, I'm, I'm Devin. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, the yeah, tight end? 100%. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> see, Seth DeValve's in yeah, a tough spot here because Seth DeValve... Yeah. And I like that about too, so that's tough. Um, <laughs> Maybe you can do a pup list, hopefully, and keep them both around for the time being, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just think, you know, I know that obviously we see these guys in preseason and somebody really shows and, and we forget about the fact that they're kind of showing against the third string of the other yeah. team. But I really like what I've seen out of him. I hope he gets a shot here. I, there's some sort of weird scenario that's really not possible that is what I want, where I want to see both he and themselves kept around, which really can't happen. But he's my guy on offense for sure. Okay, then the other side of the ball. One guy who's caught your eye that maybe might be the numbers might not be in his favor. You know, I kind of like Denzel Rice. Um, I, I think he's a long shot as well. Um, I really, really think that it, when you look at the corners, and this is obviously the position group where we've had the most turnover. Uh, so there's not as much, I think, set in stone stuff in terms of the positions here. But there's you know, one, the, did, we, we know of one. We know who cornerback one is, but like two, three, yes. five, it's, I mean, I mean, for every, I mean, you could pull 10 people and two through five is going to be different for every single person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, Mitchell's not a lock necessarily. And bringing, look at Gaines, who could carry. I mean, Gaines, I think, has a little bit of an edge here because he is, you know, he was with Greg Williams in St. Louis, or St. Louis with the Rams. So there's some history there. Um, he obviously, I think, performed very well in Buffalo before he got injured. So there's your guy with the edge and, and Kerry as well. You know, this, this was obviously somebody who they invested pretty heavily in, but those aren't going to be the only corners on the roster. So I'm hoping <laughs> that somehow that translates into a chance for Rice. I mean, look at McKinnon as well as sort of a little bit of an, an interesting guy. But I think to me, Denzel Rice is sort of the standout there. I think he's got a decent chance to make the roster. Not sure how much playing time he'll really see, but certainly he is the person who I would go to bat for on defense if I needed to, to get him a roster spot. 
Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, with some of the guys, like the bigger name signings, those aren't the guys I'm as high on. Like, a, a guy like Mike yeah. Jordan, he's been here, and he's been kind of through the bad times. I'd like to see him stick mm-hmm. around through the good times, and he's he's played pretty well. And with Rice, and, you know, it's a term I kind of use, and one thing I always use football-wise is, it seems like the kid's got the stones. And that's kind of what you're looking for, especially in the cornerback position, because it's, you know, most of the time it's mono e mono. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see that sort of more aggressive, confident play there. It's a, I realize it comes with other drawbacks, and you know, I'm a big Marcus Peters fan, so think of that what you will. But, um, yeah, you know, I, he stri- strikes me as a kid who wants to be out there, who wants to kind of do whatever he needs to do. And while, you know, I'm certainly not trying to insinuate that the people ahead of him on the depth chart do not want to do that, that they won't give 100% effort. But sometimes I think there's an sort of you got it or you don't mentality for corners. And he looks to me like a guy who's got it. And I am not sure that everybody ahead of him does. So I would love for him to have the opportunity to play that out. (laughs) Yeah, because it seems like some of those guys, you know, oh, well, we ended up in Cleveland. Whereas a guy like mm. Rice is, I'm going to make my mark by going through Cleveland. So, you know, those are the guys you, you certainly want to look out for. And I do agree, you know, Denzel Rice is going to be a tough one. And they may be able to keep more cornerbacks than most teams do. I, I think they could maybe get away with only keeping three safeties because you obviously have Green Body Calhoun who can do both. And if you tell him, look, you're going to play more safety for right now, I don't think he's going to give an issue. He just wants playing time. So, you know, they may end up being able to go a little bit deeper in the cornerback position. Yeah, I would think so, too. Um, there's there's room on this roster for this. As you said, you know, Body Calhoun, is, that's kind of ideal. I mean, Randall technically could do both as well. Um, so that helps you out in addition. So yep. I just think, you know, why not? I mean, this was a, especially when you're talking about a position group where you had a ton of uncertainty, where really basically nothing went right last season, especially with the corners and even more so than, than the safeties, which was also a problem, um, then you want as many options as you can possibly get. So I don't see any reason not to. I mean, there are some, you know, if you look kind of up and down that defense and we think about how many spots are going to be allotted to defense ultimately on the final roster, yeah, I mean, it's not that this is the only group where we're interested in having that depth and having options to kind of see how people work out, but I think you could probably hold on to a fairly large number of them, especially because, like you said, you have your safeties are pretty locked in and you have somebody who can kind of go both directions in body cover. And they don't really have a true free safety on this roster, so maybe you're no. better off putting a <laughs> cornerback. And, Greg, look, I appreciate that you're going to about 17, 16 yards, but we still see it. They're still a little too far off the ball, Greg. But, hey, Greg Williams, you do you. Samantha, I want to thank you so much for joining me here this evening. Uh, let everybody know where they can find the work. Uh, and i got to be honest, Samantha, y- y- your following is way too small. Samantha Bunton deserves a much larger following. I don't know what's wrong with you girls. I want you ladies and uh, girls and guys. Uh, P- Penn State alum, Cleveland, Clevelander at heart, in Manhattan. Guys, she does great work. You guys got to appreciate it a little bit better. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, come on over to Twitter. We have some interesting conversations over there. And, of course, you'll see us on Sunday Night Football. You can find us on NBC Sports as well. And I'm telling you right now, and, uh, Paul, I know you listen. We're going to do this. We're going to get together for a Cleveland Brown 
Cleveland Browns Sunday, and I've got the place. I've got Hudson Station. Samantha can come in, watch the game, and then drift on off and do the rest of the work she's got to do. This is going to happen, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna make this uh, New York City Browns party happen, guys. Um, guys, as far as the show, Locked On Browns, please always follow it on the Twitter account. I keep it a follow back account. You guys are fantastic. Please keep rating, reviewing the show, guys. It means so much. It helps the show grow even more. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, until tomorrow night, and we're about what about a little less than seventy-two hours away for from the finale. We won't call it the dress rehearsal. Maybe we'll call it the uh, casting call. But I, uh, guys, I appreciate you so much for everything. Uh, until tomorrow night, let's go Browns.